Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's a bird. No, it's a, it's a plane. It's unidentifiable. It's almost as if the aliens don't really care that we see them, <laughs> which is interesting in itself. But at the same time, they're not, you know, landing on the White House lawn or anything like that. It's it's a very strange phenomenon. And people have been trying to wrap their heads around it for a long, long time. Illinois, the land of Lincoln, but also aliens? Illinois has become a place with viral UFO sightings, with one of the most famous happening in 2006 at the O'Hare Airport. And this summer specifically, many Americans have been left with concerns about visitors from beyond our galaxy after a famous hearing with Congress. I'm your host, Arielle Ravenet, and today, we take a look beyond the stars to see what organizations on Earth know about UFO sightings, aliens, and why they might visit us at all. Grab your telescopes, and let's get looped in Chicago. Uh, we're interested in getting some information regarding your sighting of a large fireball the night of the 14th. This is a real account from a Navy pilot. The gritty audio marks the time. Well, let's see. I turned on to the street going to my house, which runs north, and my wife uh, said, look, I looked up and I saw, um, what, yep, not a yellow light, an orange flame ball traveling in the northern sky. Oh, I watched it for a good three to four minutes. And I watched what, uh, it seemed to break off. We had one section of flame, then clear sky, and then the major portion of flame. Uh-huh. And I watched it, and then it, uh, faded from sight. They've been historically referred to as UFOs, unidentified flying objects. But the government changed the phrase to unidentified aerial phenomenon, or UAP, in 2020. For the sake of familiarity, though, I'll be using the term UFO throughout the episode. Mark Rodier, the scientific director of the Center for UFO Studies in Chicago, spoke with assistant producer Dalal Orfali about UFO sightings in Illinois. You know, Chicago over the years, and at least in this century, has had some interesting sightings that uh, people should uh, know about. Of course, the most famous is the uh, O'Hare sighting from 2006, um, when a UFO was hovering over Terminal C. And um, then there are the uh, Tinley Park sightings in the south suburbs in 2004 and 2005, when a large lighted triangular uh, you know, set of lights were seen moving slowly through the sky by literally thousands of people. And then there are, there are, of course, a few others. Even though we're a you know, metropolitan area, we do have sightings that occur here. The O'Hare incident he mentions was a giant gray saucer, allegedly visible for about five minutes before it vanished, with about 12 United employees and a few pilots who saw it. Air traffic control did not witness it, nor did it show up on any radar. And while there was a call made, 
to the Federal Aviation Agency about it. They did not investigate. It was eventually ruled as a weather incident. This event has appeared in many popular media throughout the years, including the History Channel show UFO Hunters. While flying saucer-shaped objects have been reported throughout the years, there are other phenomena people popularly report around the country. On the National UFO Reporting website, or NUFORC for short, you can search through the databank of reports by a UFO shape, size, or description, like fire. That's the thing. I think a lot of people aren't really aware of what's going on and how yeah. much it's going on. You know, there's, it's, I mean, seriously, every day we get 20 or 30 reports. That's Christian Sepian, the CTO of NUFORC. He's been with the org since the early 1990s. And since his retirement in 2019, he's been working full-time for the organization. You know, and I would say most of them are probably misidentifications of aircrafts or drones or balloons or things like that. But then you come across like a handful that are like, oh, my God, you know, somebody just saw a triangle the size of a football field hovering over their house, shooting a beam down into their backyard. You know, things like that, that there's just no way that's anything that the U.S. government or, or some aerospace company created. And, you know, you could you could discount those things if they weren't reported over and over. It seems throughout all of human history and in different cultures, there are stories and depictions of visitors beyond our own kind. There have been myths for centuries on the potential alien origins of Stonehenge or the statues in Easter Island. In America, our government has had a series of projects geared towards learning about extraterrestrial life. One of the most famous was Project Blue Book, a 20 plus year investigation of UFOs by the Air Force starting in 1947. And while this project wasn't solely about aliens, they also investigated foreign enemy technology, Project Blue Book has become famous amongst alien believers as being a clue the government is aware of life and technology outside of this planet. As human technology grew, New Fork was created in 1974 by Robert Gribble, a Seattle firefighter, as a place for people to report. And basically, he would just send out cards and saying, look, if you guys see a UFO, we're, we are the agency that you reported to. And it took off. Basically, people did start learning about the center and, you know, pilots, um, air traffic controllers, even military people would report UFOs um, because there was no place else to do it. Uh, Blue Book had shut down by that point. The government was in hardcore cover-up mode about what was going on. And uh, it was one of the first civilian agencies that really took this seriously and tried to, you know, collect these reports and get the information out to the public. Christian says New Fork is the only UFO reporting center with a hotline. So I was curious to know how often they reach out to people who leave interesting accounts. It's definitely a minority of the reports at this point. You know, we'll call the person and kind of get a feel for their credibility you know you, you can tell by talking to people if they're if what they saw is kind of serious and, and they're being serious about it or if they're you know being a little bit more maybe unstable we do get some unstable people people have been calling in since the 70s this is audio from new fork founder robert gribble interviewing somebody who called in about spotting a craft with a humanoid being in 1978. national ufo reporting center in washington we understand that you've had a uh, couple good UFO sightings here not too far back. One in November and one in December. I wonder if we could get a description of what you saw. Okay, I'll explain it to you. November the 9th, 1978, 1.34 a.m., the UFO appeared, and I guess he was on the property hovering, maybe 50 feet, 60 feet off the ground, for maybe 
20 minutes. Full moon, bright, real bright. Then he took off and he followed my tree line. I'd say he's about 100 yards, 150 yards, 150 yards off my window, my second floor window. Now, you've got a picture of my place that's in the center of a 250-acre within 20 minutes of Philadelphia. I heard no noise. I couldn't describe. I thought it looked like a cigar myself, you know, like a long tube. No noise. And within seconds, he was gone. His uh, vertical takeoff is slow, you know. Then when he moves, he moves very fast. But the white lights were like icicles flashing all different configurations. I, I attend a Bible class uh, at 6.30 in the morning, that particular morning, and I told the boys about it. And, uh, but no one else told my wife. And then comes December. Can I ask you one question on right, that? So I, right. Okay. How close were you to that? Any oh, estimate? about 150 yards. Okay. Right on my property. But this is the, the amazing thing now. Uh, on December the 11th, the Monday, at 12.48 a.m., almost the exact time as the other one. It was almost a full moon, almost. I saw these bright lights in my bedroom, and I looked out, and he was only there a few minutes, and he started his vertical takeoff. And I was at the window. We have huge windows. And uh, I thought, well, I'll open the window this time to see if it's a helicopter. And when I opened the window, he came right at me, but maybe all oh, 50 feet higher than the roof, maybe 100 feet, I don't know. And I thought I saw, but there was no noise until he went by and went, whew, just like a tennis racket. And I thought that these people all in sort of dark suits, like five or six at the controls with a bubble, because I could see now from below, it looked like more like a Delta wing. But I don't know how wide, but I'd say at least six across at the controls. But I could see up from underneath because I didn't have those lights bother me. And you did detect uh, figures inside. I thought I, I'm, I'm all, you know, everything happened so fast. I thought they were in spacesuits, uh -huh. really all the same. And he was maybe five or six across in the, in the, uh, in the uh, control cabin. I never did call a newspaper. I never did call anyone. So I read this thing in the paper. Then that's when I called your man Graham because he was interested. Because uh, you know, I never really did believe in it myself. Now I'm sure they're out there. When we come back, Christian shares his thoughts about this summer's congressional alien bombshell and that supposedly mummified alien body that turned up in Mexico. All that and more after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do you believe UAPs pose a potential threat to our national security? Yes, and here's why. 
the, the technology that we faced was far superior than anything that we had. Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. Biologics came with some of these recoveries, yeah. Were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. David Grush, a retired Navy commander and former Air Force intelligence officer, testified to Congress in July, alongside two pilots, that the American government is fully aware of UFOs that aren't just from foreign nations on Earth. This object was uh, estimated to be almost the size of a football field. I was perfectly white, smooth, no windows. I wanted to make sure I got Christian's thoughts on this rather remarkable testimony and what he makes of it. Because these are guys, you know, they're, they're testifying under oath in front of Congress. If they were to lie, they would be going to prison, right? And you can tell they're also extremely careful about what they say and what they don't say so they don't cross over into anything that would violate their security clearances or their, their you know, confidentiality, also for top secret information. So... During his sworn testimony, David claimed that the United States has a concealed team that retrieves and reverse engineers crashed UFOs. David said in the hearing that the U.S. government has most likely known about non-human life for almost 100 years, since the 1930s. The Pentagon has denied these statements. So David was making the argument to Congress that people deserve more transparency on the subject. Just tremendous amounts of corroboration that these things exist, but the government has always been in denial. And I think, um, I mean, and these again, these are highly trained, obviously extremely intelligent uh, people who who know what should be in the sky and what shouldn't be in the sky. And you know, they're basically saying, "Look, this is real." So it's it's a very interesting time and. We're all sitting on pins and needles to see where it goes. The hearing created a buzz on social media, with people making jokes about wanting the aliens to take over and comments that the government basically confirmed aliens exist, but society is too tired to care. There is something important to think about, though. What if alien technology does exist and falls into human hands? Hopefully the world will wake up to, hopefully our government will start telling us a little bit more about, you know, some of these pressure campaigns that Congress is trying to put on will succeed and we'll, we'll get to know more about it. Because um, if we could get our hands on some of these technologies, it would be transformative for the planet. Do you think that there's a scary aspect to that too, though? Like, yeah, who gets, who gets access first, you know, I think is also something mm -hmm. that is, is a scary thing to think about. Well, we're a scary species, I mean, just amongst ourselves. <laughs> we have a lot of trouble just amongst ourselves. So I'm sure uh, we'd probably have some trouble not amongst ourselves as well. So if there is alien technology beyond our human skill set, could human equipment capture things like images of UFOs? Here's Mark's answer. But even more important than cameras are instruments that might measure the magnetic field of a UFO, the microwaves that might be emitted, and, and other information like that, that we really want to uh, be able to record about a UFO that help us understand the physics uh, of what's happening, you know, whatever that might be, whatever the cause of UFOs are. And uh, we've known this for years, way back when, in the 1950s, the Air Force and others tried to use cruder technology to get photos or to measure things about UFOs, 
And as time went on, people have done more and more. And now it's become quite feasible to use, you know, high-tech instrumentation to study UFOs. The main problem is we can't predict when a UFO is going to appear. We have to get somewhat lucky. It all makes you wonder, why would extraterrestrial life interact with humans at all? What could their motives be? Christian has some theories. You know, the, the abductees report that they're commonly shown these visions of, you know, mass destruction of the planet and given these messages that you guys have to take care of this place. You know, you're not taking care of it. So some people theorize that eventually they're just going to come down here and step in when, you know, we messed the place up enough that it's no longer habitable. But these are all theories. What's what's incredible, what I find incredible about the whole phenomenon is how secret these extraterrestrials or whatever they are. I mean, they may be interdimensional, they may be extraterrestrial, no, but nobody really knows where they are, or where they're from, or what they are, or, you know, are they even life forms? Are they robots? What the hell are they? But how incredibly secret they've been able to keep their motives and what they're doing for so long. Now, we have also had some recent talk about aliens in the media that are less believable. An alleged mummified alien body was brought to the Mexican government and has since been debunked. It seems that there have been many comments throughout history of people finding real alien bodies. I, I don't put any stake in these mummified alien bodies. I don't think, yeah, I'll just write that one off. Um, you know, certainly back in the 80s, people were doing hoaxes with, you know, frisbees and lights and and sending in videos and things like that. There's always been hoaxes, but that seems to be actually less interestingly enough now, because now with, you know, with computers and AI, you could pretty much make a video of anything you want, but we're not seeing a lot of that come in. Again, most people who contact us are extremely sincere. They've been very moved by what they see and they feel this, you know, compulsion or duty to to tell people about it, to get the information out. Whether or not you believe that there is life outside of this planet, I want to leave you with a question. Is it scarier to believe that there are intelligent life forms beyond our world, or that we are completely alone in the universe? You know, if you want to live in a society where you're protected from that stuff and you, you're basically given this picture of a world that isn't really what it really is. Do people want to live that way or do they want to know the truth? Thanks for listening to this episode of Looped in Chicago. This episode was hosted by me, Ariel Ravenet. Produced and edited by myself, Jim Hankey, and Myron Kaplan. Our news director is Craig Schwalb. And special thanks to the National UFO Reporting Center and CBS for letting us use their audio. Be sure to subscribe to the program on the free Odyssey app or wherever you listen. And follow us on social media at WBBM News Radio and WBBM Podcasts for visual content relating to our episodes. We'll get you looped in back here in two weeks. See you then.